wilderness walk that describes our life on our way to the land of promise, please be assured that the Lord Jesus stands ever ready to stand by you. And the proof of it is his response to Israel. Israel sinned. Sin is an interesting thing. It's uh, natural to us, native to us. We don't have to think about it. It sort of just happens, but not with God. In fact, that is the definition of sin, really. Anything contrary to the character of God is sin. Oh, my goodness. That's not good. Because that really labels us as sinners. That means that we're not just talking about overt behaviors, but even thinking contrary to the mind of a holy God is sin. Do you know what else is sin? Even that which we do without malice, uh, things that are offensive to God, contrary to God's character, and that we do unintentionally. Things we forget to do that God wants us to do. Things we omit to do. Not rebellious inclinations, but just unintended mistakes contrary to the will of God. Those are sins. And of course, then there's the category of sin when we sin with deliberate, premeditated intent. And yet both of those sins have to be accounted for and require atonement. The one which is done deliberately and with forethought, for sure, we can understand that. But even the sin which comes without intentionality, it's just a reflection of who we are. Even that is a serious matter. In fact, I can prove it to you. Would you take a look at Numbers chapter 15, verse 22? Numbers 15, verse 22. I want to show you this. It's disturbing. And I know that's why you came, to be disturbed. Numbers 15, verse 20. Look what it says. But when you unwittingly... See, that's what I'm talking about. It doesn't say deliberately, defiantly, rebelliously. Even when you unwittingly fail. And do not observe all these commandments which the Lord has spoken to Moses... Even all that the Lord has commanded you through Moses from the day when the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, then it shall be if it is done, see the word, unintentionally. That's what I'm getting at. Not just the one that's done the sin committed with intent to disobey, but even when one is done unintentionally without the knowledge of the congregation, that all the congregation shall offer. See, there's a need for an atonement, even if there's unintentional sin. Uh, one bull has to be offered for a burnt offering as a soothing aroma to the Lord with its grain offering, its drink offering, according to the ordinance, and one male goat for a sin offering. So my point is, good night. You may think you're okay because you're not deliberately, knowingly, intentionally sinning against God. Oh, no, no. It's a much more tricky venture than that. Sin is so much a part of who we are that sometimes we commit it unintentionally. But even then, it offends God 
and has to be atoned for. So here's the context. Uh, God has instructed Israel through Moses with regard to offerings they are to offer him when they gain entrance into the promised land. And I have to tell you, if you read through those, it's complicated. There's all kinds of, there's wave offerings and peace offerings and fellowship offerings and grain offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. And oh my goodness. So I got to tell you, it isn't far-fetched to think that even a well intentioned person could miss it. Oh no, one could wake up one day and say, I missed participation in the ordained morning offering. Do you know the law of God is complicated? Do you read the Old Covenant, the Old Testament? Whole books are written about God's ordinances and statutes and ceremonial law and dietary law. I got to tell you, on a good day, it's going to be really rough for you to handle all that stuff. And so it's easy to see how one without deliberate intent could still fall short of the requirements of God. I'll never forget the time. I was hanging out with Orthodox relatives of mine. I come from a, a, a fairly long line of rabbis. So needless to say, I'm not really high on their popularity list at, at, at present. And so uh, uh, I was hanging out. It was like a family get-together. Who knows what was going on? And uh, I suppose I was stressed out. I mean, you would be too if you hung out with my relatives. And so... I guess I was, I guess I was chewing the fingernail thing, right? Like, it's not a good thing to do, but you know, all right, I just did it. I'm just a human. And one of my rabbi cousins, like, came out of the woodwork screaming. I mean, there's people gathered. It's a family deal. He's screaming at me because there's some law, some rabbinical thing somewhere. I don't know. That says you can't do that because it desecrates the body, and the body is the is 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 is, is, is created in the image of God, or some hocus pocus. I don't know what he was saying. All I know is I, I stopped biting my nails and started smoking. No, no, I, no I'm just, I didn't, I just, I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But I was just thinking, God, man. Where are you getting all these laws? One time, one of my relatives died, had the, uh, had the nerve to die. And uh, so I was asked to be one of the pallbearers. So, okay. So, so it was like an Orthodox Jewish funeral sort of a deal. I mean, there are rules. Like, you would not believe it. I am not kidding you. I mean, it makes, we have rules that make Baptists look flexible, just to give you an idea. And so, uh, uh, so, so, so we're at the funeral deal, and the rabbis were doing whatever they do. And so I, you know, was one of the guys who picked up the casket. This, this is not pleasant conversation. I apologize, but this actually happened. And, and so I'm going, and another one of my rabbi cousins, I got, I got millions of rabbi cousins, starts screaming at me at, <laughs> at the funeral. I am, it is un, Jews, I don't know if you knew this, we don't get ulcers. We give them and so, oh my goodness. And so, so he's screaming at me because apparently there's another rabbinical law thing uh, that says in a situation like that, you're supposed to take a certain number of steps and pause, then there's a prayer, then you take a few steps, and then, you know, I missed that one somewhere in the fine print or something. 
And so when I read this, I could say, what do you mean unintentional? Yeah, it could be where you don't get up in the morning saying, oh, God, I, I want to violate your law. It, it, it's just that there's like a lot of them. There's just, a, you've read the Old Testament, haven't you? I mean, just think about it. There's like a truckload of stuff you're supposed to do. And so you can miss the point on a given day. And so that's what this is sort of, that's what this text is sort of talking about. Sins committed out of ignorance or neglect unintentionally. But there's another category of sins, and you know about those. And those are the ones where essentially we say, God, I know what you want me to do, but um, no. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And so those are addressed in verse 30. Take a look, verse 30. But the person who does anything, look, not unintentionally, but defiantly, whether he is native, meaning an Israelite, or an alien, that one is blaspheming the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from among the people, because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment, that person shall be completely cut off. His guilt will be upon him. Whoa, that is like major serious business for the one who sins not unintentionally but defiantly. In fact, in Hebrew, we call it the, it's the sin of the high hand. That's when you say to God, I raise my hand above your law. That's when you say to God, no way, I'll do what I want to do. That's when you blow God off. I'm telling you, that's what it is. That's when you say, I don't care what your claim is on my life. That's when you say, I'm the master of my own destiny. That's when you say, I have one life to live and I'm going to get all the gusto. That's when you say, I don't care about your bounds. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. That's when you reduce God to your own level where you think you could argue with him. That's where you assert your own authority as over against his. That's where you say, I can take care of myself. That's where you say, I know better. That's where you say, I don't care about your holy character. I owe you no debt. I don't even think you're there. I'm telling you, this is not the sin of neglect or ignorance of or unintentionality. This is the sin of the upraised arm. This is where you say, God, if you're there, I don't care. I'll do what I want to do. Do you think people are prone to commit that category of sin? Oh, and such were some of you and me. Yes, we are. Now, in that case, can you see the serious consequence? That person shall be entirely cut off from among his people. Can I tell you what that means? Killed. That person shall be killed, entirely cut off. That person shall be completely cut off. That's what it says. His guilt will be upon him. Now, I got to tell you something. You may be getting a tad bit nervous right now. So let me state the question you may be having right now. It's this. I'm a Christian. Can I commit a sin such as this that irreversibly cuts me off from God? Can I do that? So before we move on, let me just give you the answer. 
No, you cannot. Now, you're going to have to bear with me and let me get through the totality of the lesson. But let me just tell you, this is not the sin a believer commits. Though a believer sometimes, sadly, commits sin. This sin essentially rejects God and his provision entirely. By definition, that is not what a Christian has ever done. A Christian has acknowledged God and accepted his provision for sin. I want to show you, this is a category of sin that rejects God and anything he has provided. This is a sin that essentially, this is the unpardonable kind of a sin. Do you know there are certain sins that can't be pardoned? For instance, if you don't want a pardon for your sin, it shall not be pardoned. And that's essentially what's happening over here. So, so now uh, you need an illustration and I need an illustration. And God knows we need an illustration. So here it go- comes. Verse 32. This is an illustration in verse 32 of this category of sin which can be committed but not by a true believer. Check it out. Verse 32. Now while the sons of Israel were in the wilderness, this is an example of a deliberate High-handed, intentional, rebellious sin against God. While the sons of Israel were in the wilderness, and of course that's where they are, that's what the book of Numbers is really called, in the wilderness, bemidbar is the word. While they were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. And they put him in custody because it had not been declared what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. Whoa. Whoa. That looks like, upon our first reading, to be a little bit of an overreaction on God's part. The guy is picking up wood on the Sabbath. Why is that categorized as such a serious sin? Why is that the sin unto death? Why is that the sin that is not pardoned, that is not forgiven? Why is that the sin that irreversibly cuts a person off? The guy is carrying wood on the Sabbath. I'll tell you why it's so serious. He is essentially saying, God... I do not want to enter into your rest. I do not want to enter into your rest. What does that mean? Do you realize Israel was a slave people? Can, can slave people take a day off? They don't belong to a union. They don't get days off. The cruel taskmaster who has enslaved them <laughs> Never gives them permission to rest. But God delivers and gives permission to rest. And this man is essentially saying, though you have sought to make me a slave person free, I reject it. The Sabbath was the sign of the covenant. The Sabbath was the observance during which time a person would say, I enter into Sabbath rest. I will not reject the grace and goodness and kindness of God on my behalf. God said, 
I will give you the opportunity no longer to think of yourself as a slave under the control of a cruel taskmaster. No, I will enter into a covenant relationship with you whereby you have the permission to rest. And this guy said, no, I don't want your rest. I want to continue to work so as to meet my needs. And so far. This is a serious sin. By the way, that's what the word Sabbath means. Did you know that? It means rest. Sabbath means to rest. This man said, I don't want to rest in your gracious provision. I want to work so as to meet my own needs independent of you. Folks. That's a very serious thing. If God comes on the scene and God provides permission to rest and you say, take it back. I don't want it. I'll meet my own needs. I'll take care of myself. That's it. There can be no rapprochement between you and God for you have just rejected God. It looks like it's this trivial matter. Not that very serious, but it's deeply serious. This man did not violate a law. It's worse than that. He violated God's kindness and grace. If you violate God's grace, there is no pardon. Then you're on your own. And so this man was on his own. God's heart of grace gave the man permission to rest. The man said, no thanks. I don't believe you for it. I don't trust you for it. I don't want to praise you for it. I want to fend for myself. I want to take care of my own. I want to save myself. The person who wants to save himself or herself is on their own. Cut off entirely from the Savior. So if this is that important, let me ask you a question. Why don't we observe the Sabbath around here? This is Wednesday, right? When's the next time we're going to get together? What day? Yes, Sunday. That's not the Sabbath, is it? So are we all out of the will of God? I mean, the fourth commandment says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Does it not say that? But we're not meeting on the Sabbath, Saturday. We're going to meet on Sunday, aren't we? Should we change things? There's a whole denomination who thinks we should the seventh day you know we meet on the first day of the week what's the deal are we missing the whole point no we're not missing the point at all do you realize we are keeping the sabbath if we find our rest in christ jesus let me explain the sabbath is not about a day No, 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 no. The day is just the foreshadowing of an ultimate reality. Do you realize just about everything in the Old Testament is just a precursor of the fulfillment in the new? That's why it says when it talks about the temple in the Old Testament, we move past it. And now we get to the New Testament. Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? You see? You see what's happening? The Sabbath is not about a day. No, 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 no. The Sabbath is about entering into rest provided by a gracious God. The Sabbath of old on that day is simply to alert us to that, is simply a foreshadowing of that. If you are resting from human pride, 
If you are resting from your own efforts to win God's favor, if you are resting from your own foolish sense of your own goodnesses and throwing yourself on the mercy of God and entering into his rest for you, you are observing the totality and ultimate purpose of the Sabbath. It's not a day. We could gather on Tuesday morning. It does not matter anymore. All of those things are a mere shadow. Ooh, that would be good if that was actually a verse. And it is. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Listen to this. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a, what's that say? Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Those are all references to ceremonial aspects of the Old Testament law. The ceremonial aspects have to do with new moon observances, festivals, dietary laws, temple observances, Sabbath days. The only thing that comes forward from the Old Testament to the New are laws pertaining to the unalterable moral character of God. So when the Old Testament says, thou shalt not steal, it still applies. Thou shalt not commit adultery, that's right, still in force. Thou shalt not unlawfully take life, that's right, can't do that one either. Thou shalt not covet, because those are not the ceremonial aspects of the law. Those are reflections of the unalterable, immutable, moral, and ethical holy character of God. But other aspects of the law are ceremonial only, and they're fulfilled in Christ. That's why it says, don't anyone act, uh, let anyone act as your judge with regard to what food you eat. Does it pertain to the Old Testament dietary law? What you drink? What festivals? What new moon observances? Nor what Sabbath day? Why? Not my words. The, the uh, Apostle Paul wrote this in Colossians. These things are a mere shadow. Have you ever seen a shadow that has an independent existence? No. It's just a subsidiary of a substantive thing that casts the shadow. And so the text says, these are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance is Christ. You are observing the intent of the Sabbath when you rest in the merits and the finished redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Old Testament Sabbath, that's just a shadow of what is to come. The substance is Christ Jesus. Folks, after God's work of creation, he rested. And after God's work of redemption, we can rest. Unless, unless we're like the man in the text who says, I won't, I'll continue to work. Then that's the person who has to bridge the gap between an intensely holy God and our sin by his or her own efforts. That sin cannot be forgiven. Rejection of God's means of rest cannot be forgiven because there's no other way to have rest except to, except to accept God's means of it. So I want to share with you uh, 
brief passage from Hebrews chapter 4. Because it relates to this context. Hebrews chapter 4. I, w- I want to show you something. Beginning in verse 9 of Hebrews 4. Just a couple verses and we're coming uh, to a landing here in just a minute or so. Hebrews 4 verse 9. It's fascinating. It applies. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Folks, that's not speaking of a day. (laughs) It's speaking of a reality which can be ours every day. There remains a Sabbath rest for the Jews? No. For the Gentiles? No. For religious people? No. For the people of God. There is no Sabbath rest. No matter what day you go to synagogue or church or whatever it is, there is no Sabbath rest if you are not a son or daughter of God. But there remains a Sabbath rest for those who are. For the one who has entered his rest. This is the person who has ceased collecting wood on the Sabbath. You're not trying to provide for your own warmth and well-being as that man was. You know you can't do it. You fall short. For all have sinned and fall short of the glorious perfections of Almighty God. You've ceased to do that. And so the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works. God performed the work of creation in six days, and on the seventh day he rested, and it's just a prototype for what happens to us. Now when God finished the work of redemption, we can enter into that rest. That's what it's saying right here. The one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. God finished his work in physical creation and rested, and he has provided for our redemption so that we can cease from our work and rest. I don't know how many people I talk to. How about you? Uh, Just met with a man the other day. uh, Had lunch with him. Uh, a, A third party friend of both of ours set it up. He's a professional guy, unsaved guy. Very heady, very intellectual, and we had a great conversation over lunch. I hope it continues, and he's a good man, and uh, uh, he convinced me all through lunch how good he is. You know, he just does this, that's good, he belongs to this, and he gives money to charity, and, you know, he's a good dad, a good husband, everything, really, really, I mean, real. this is a guy who's collecting wood on the Sabbath, I'm going to tell you something, folks. You cannot collect enough wood to keep yourself warm. It's not going to work. I don't care how, about his goodnesses. I think his goodnesses probably exceed mine, but that's not the point. He's still collecting wood instead of resting in the provision of Almighty God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest. Isn't that an ironic, perplexing? It's essentially saying work hard at resting. (laughs) And that is the toughest Discipline we Christians faced. (laughs) Work hard at resting. 
in the atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Work hard at ceasing from your human inclination mind to collect wood on the Sabbath so as to add to what Christ Jesus has done on the cross. You don't have to beat yourself over the head. You don't have to uh, bargain with God. If you've come to the Lord Jesus and accepted him as your personal savior, you don't have to collect any wood to add to the old rugged piece of wood on which he suffered and died. No, no, no. And so therefore be diligent to enter that rest. One of the most difficult things for Christians is to rest in the acceptance in favor of Almighty God. You want to hear a statement that I think has a biblical basis? There's nothing you could do or not do for you to ever lose favor with God if you've been brought to Him by the only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus. There's nothing you can do from that point on or not do, commit or omit, that will ever cause you to lose favor with God. Why? Because his favor has been affixed upon you by grace. He gave you a slave to sin permission to rest from under its load. He gave you permission to run into the arms of the Lord Jesus. It's not a Saturday. It's not a Sunday. It's not the deal. It's a mere shadow of stuff. He gave you permission to cease from trying to impress God. Win God's favor. Get God on your side. He is. He is. He demonstrated it in that while you, I, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not just a matter of the forgiveness of sin. After he pronounced upon us the verdict of not guilty, he said, wait a second, where are you going? Where are you go Don't leave the courtroom. <laughs> Come home with me. I didn't just forgive you. I adopted you. There's nothing you can do or not do from the point of your salvation on to ever diminish God's favor. Never, never, never. Because it has nothing to do <laughs> with what you do or don't do. It has everything to do with who you belong with. Okay. So... There remains the Sabbath rest. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that why, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Folks, that's referring back into numbers, cases like the, the one with the, the guy collecting wood. You be careful, lest you fall in the same way. What does that mean? Rejecting what Christ Jesus has done for you. It's so serious. It involves being cut off eternally. It's so serious. It means that one has to bear the consequence of his or her own sin. But folks, it isn't necessary. Look, God finished the work of creation and rested on the Sabbath. Then God finished the work of redemption through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now we can rest. I didn't say feel the permission to sin. I did not say that. No, no, no. In fact, one of the marks of someone who's growing in a love relationship with a holy God 
is that his holy character begins to well up on the inside and you become distressed by sin. You do not run to it. No, 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 no. Creating the world was the magnificent physical work of God and he rested when it was finished. Sending his son as our substitute was the magnificent spiritual work of God. And now that it is finished, we too can rest. Rest, my brothers and sisters. Not in unrepentant sin. I didn't say that. I did not say that. Confess it. Thank God for forgiving it. Ask him to strengthen you so that you do not do it again. But don't go out in the wilderness to start collecting wood. The piece of wood on which the Lord Jesus died is enough. He said, it is finished. Labor, work hard, be diligent to enter into his rest. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. I tell you, no work was permitted on the Sabbath back then. And no works can earn us Sabbath rest. We must rest in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the work he did in dying for our sins, rising from the dead. We are Sabbath keepers, I'm telling you. When we rest on the merits of Jesus Christ rather than resting on our own imagined goodnesses. I run into this all all the time. Do you know the... uh, uh, either from uh, my Jewish friends and relatives or other branches of Christianity accuse us of violating the commandment. By the way, the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, is the only one of the ten that is not repeated in the new covenant. In fact, the Lord Jesus turns it over. <clears throat> remember when the religious people told him that his followers don't keep the Sabbath? Remember what he said? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is meant to be a blessing and benefit. Is it a day? No, 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 no. It's permission to cease from one's own labors and rest in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a day, it's not a diet. It's not a ceremony. It's not a new moon festival. (laughs) These are all a mere shadow. But the substance is Jesus Christ. I hope, I hope there's come a time, a very defined, knowable, specific and precise time when you said, oh God, I'm tired of running I'm tired of working. I'm tired of trying to fill holes, to fill voids, to find a source of warmth, to fool myself into thinking I'm too good for you to have had to die for me. I'm tired of all that charade. I'm not at rest. I fall short. Oh God, enough. You finished what I cannot. Therefore, come into my life, Lord of the Sabbath, and give me rest from my works. Forgive my transgressions.
warm me up on the inside so that I warm up to you. And let me now and forevermore experience and enjoy the rest which is mine as a result of being connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, can you please look into people's hearts right now? You're the only one who can, so that's why we make that request. Would you please do so? Uh, and would you please disturb a few, if you don't mind? Would you do that lovingly, disturb them? They don't have rest. Would you accentuate that reality, Lord Jesus? Don't numb them to it. I would rather have you stir them up, if you don't mind. Disturb them, would you? Oh, God. So that being disturbed, they could say, even as they sit where they sit, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sin. There's plenty of it, unintentional and deliberate. Forgive it, every bit of it. And let me rest in the fact that you suffered and died enough, enough, enough for me and for every other sinner. Come into my life, change me from the inside. Oh God, help me to be diligent to labor so as to enter into that Sabbath rest. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen.